about God with dirty hands, which was me um, two or three weeks ago, knowing I wanted to speak about the Incarnation, because this is Advent, and this is the subject we grapple with, and not quite sure where that was going to go. So I gave myself the subject of God with dirty hands. Um, this is my nod to the title. We're now going to speak about the Incarnation. Um, actually, I've been grappling with this um, all week. It is, it is something we... Yeah, those of us who've been around church for a while, it's something we're familiar with, it's something that um, we come to Christmas and we say, oh yes, God became man. Um, and the challenge for me this week is, Lord, what, how, do we, how do we taste that new? How do we grapple that, with that in a new way? How do we experience that in, in a way that's going to, um, that there's going to say something fresh to us when it's such an ancient truth that, that we may have known and um, celebrated for many years? So that's been my journey this week. Um, and what's come out, and it's, when you prepare a sermon, at least when I prepare a sermon, it's a bit like having a baby, and you don't quite know what you're going to get until it appears. And what's come out is, is more of a reflection um, than a, a preach. And I think that reflects the fact that this is a mystery I can't dissect and lay out and say, here it is. So I'm going to lead us in a minute um, in a reflection, and then we're going to take some time to, um, to think about that for ourselves. Before I do that, we're going to watch a short YouTube clip. I don't know how many of you have, have read the book Anna Karenina. My suspicion is that Phil Goddard's read it in the original. I haven't read it in the original, um, but I have read it. And um, there's a character in that book called Constantine Levin. Now, this is a book that you, you'll know is set in uh, 19th century Russia. Um, and what's, what's happened in 19th century Russia towards the end of that century is that the serfs, the bonded land peasants, have become emancipated. And that was a, a legal move that's happened. But there's still this deep underclass in society. And Constantine Levin is a nobleman. Um, and he is grappling with... He, he, he's, he's an honourable man. And he's grappling with this sense of how do, I, how do we live now, how do we engage now with these peasants who are working my farms. They're not serfs anymore, but they're, they're this underclass. Um, so what we're going to watch is a YouTube clip of him. Uh, he's the chap in sort of grubby white talking to his brother. So they're both noblemen, and they're, they're just debating this among themselves. Watch it with this question in mind. What does it say to us about the incarnation? And then I'm going to offer some reflection.
I'm going to leave some silence um, during this meditation and after it. Um, after it, we'll leave about um, probably three or four minutes of silence. We see Jesus, who for a little while was made lower than the angels, now crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. It was fitting that God, for whom and through whom all things exist, in bringing many children to glory, should make the pioneer of their suffering perfect. Sorry, the pioneer of their salvation perfect through sufferings. Is it fitting? Is it fitting, second person of the Trinity, that you should become a human? Should suffer and die? Is it fitting, first person of the Trinity, that you should send him? Urge him to abase himself? Allow his glory to become tarnished with our humanity. Immerse him in the ins and outs and ups and downs of our human existence. Is it fitting that the God who flung the stars into space should stand upon the earth with dirty feet and calloused hands? Is it fitting that the transcendent, resplendent glory of eternity should be shed, concealed, cloaked in the body of a man? Is it fitting for you to stoop so low? Is it fitting that you should mingle with foreigners, with commoners? should tangle with the hoi polloi? Is it fitting that men can casually bump against you, ignorant of your identity? Or that willfully indifferent, they might spit on you, strike you, and slay you? Is it fitting... Yes, it is fitting, declares the Lord. It is fitting that my son should be made perfect through suffering. Not that his humanity and suffering and death could fix some imagined imperfection within him. 
but rather that he should be brought from glory to greater glory. That he might move from the perfection of the bud to the fully realized perfection of the open flower. That love might be concrete, not abstract, as it hangs bleeding in the teeth of death. That his character and love might be tested and proved in the fire of suffering. (coughs) That my character and nature, says God, might be most fully demonstrated in that place of the cross where earth tears into heaven and heaven bleeds love. That this lowest point for humanity, this abyss of human greed and malice and envy and slander and murder, that this place should be the place where his metal is tested and where his glory is revealed. It is fitting that my son should be made perfect through suffering. It is fitting that my son should earn his crown through suffering. It is fitting that his praises into eternity should throb in resonance with the cross. I have decreed that the elders and angels around the throne should cry, You are worthy, you are worthy. Are worthy. You are worthy because by your blood you ransomed the captives. Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive honor and glory and power. It is fitting that the one who takes up the crown that slipped from Adam's brow should earn that crown by embracing Adam's humanity and Adam's death. It is fitting that he should become a man, the man, in order to reclaim the human destiny promised in Eden, to fulfill it and live it and bring it to perfection. It is fitting that the one who aims to lift the faces of burnt out, worn out, sinned out humankind 
should first embrace the condition of humankind. It is fitting that he should come to reign and bring humankind to reign with him through humanity and suffering and death. You ask, what is man that I am mindful of him? Then know this, I have forever dignified the human condition by sending my son in the image of humankind that you may once again reflect my image that is woven into your very being. It is fitting that he should earn his seat at the board through his hard work on the shop floor. And so it is fitting that you should worship this man, that this man should stand in heaven beside the throne of glory, that rank upon rank of angels should cast themselves down before this man, and that this man should receive the honour and tribute of all creation. It is fitting that he should earn his crown through becoming a human and suffering. It is fitting that he should break open the boundary between earth and heaven. That heaven should no longer be a stern stranger, that earth should no longer tremble. It is fitting that our arm's length relationship should be transformed into an embrace. It is fitting that the one who is going to grow up to challenge every human boundary, who is going to reach into the lives of the untouchables, welcome the outcast, teach moral lessons from the positive example of sinners, risk his reputation with prostitutes, it is fitting that he should first tear open the greatest boundary, the one between heaven and earth. Do not resist this. Do not alienate yourself from me with inverted snobbery, with fear, or with protestations of unworthiness. My son has torn open the boundary 
and invited you to heaven's party. Do not dare to say that you don't dare to come. Do not dare to say that you don't dare come. It is fitting that he should open the boundary and he has made you fit to enter in. Soon you'll be singing your favourite carols in celebration of my son's birth. Do you remember that famous line, Lo, he abhors not the virgin's womb? Abhor it? On the contrary, it was fitting. <laughs> 